short time ago, an American airplane dropped one bomb on Hiroshima. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this. people I think is good people. They are they have not to charge with the guilty of all the lies. Welcome back to the Cold War, Papa Bear. Yeah. Let's talk about some CIA shit. <laughs> In our last episode, we uh, talked about how after the war the CIA hired a bunch of uh, Gestapo and SS and SD high-ranking Nazis. Yes to help them uh, spy on the Soviets and cause trouble uh, with the Soviets. Uh, they ended up uh, forming the core of West Germany's BND, the intelligence mm-hmm. service, run by Reinhard Gellin. Um, and this whole idea of hiring uh, Nazis and fascists to work for the CIA really took off. They, they loved it. Oh, yeah. They scoured the world looking for fascists that they could hire. They got good people. Uh, the, yeah. And the worse they were, the better the CIA loved them because they really wanted, really wanted the worst of the worst. I think that's on the coffee mug. The worst, the better. Yeah. And so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Steve Tanner was a young CIA officer in these years based in Munich, fresh out of Yale, hired by Richard Helms in 1947. And he put together another bunch of fascist daredevils, <clears throat> a bunch of Ukrainians yes. who hated the USSR. <clears throat> called themselves the Supreme Council for the Liberation of the Ukraine. That's kind of long. Well, that sounds... Yeah, it's nice, though. Sounds like a friendly... Yeah. It's nice. Yeah. I like that. It's, uh, you know, that's the sort of organisation that um, gives me a warm and fuzzy. <laughs> Anytime you call yourself the Supreme Liberation yeah. Council... Yeah, or Freedom Love, <clears throat> either way. Yeah. Yeah, Freedom Loving uh, or Supreme Liberation. you got to use those words. Right. Of liberation uh, mm-hmm. in there somewhere. Supreme. This is the Supreme Liberation Podcast. That's what we should, we should oh, call it that. Is it too late to change mm. the uh, URL? But the one thing I wanted to say about with Tanner is that so he's hiring, he's, you know, like you said, he's hired out of college. He's um, trying to hire people. And he's like, you know what? Things are so ass backwards here. We don't even have guidelines for what we're supposed to do. And so he sits down and he writes his own guidelines. And one of the guidelines he writes, he goes, do not hire... I- who is compromised with a close association of being a Nazi. So while the left hand is going, you know, this would really be wrong, his superiors back in CIA headquarters are doing exactly that. They're hiring Nazis. So what does he do? He doesn't hire Nazis. He hires Ukrainians who hate the Soviets. So hopefully this will turn out better. Yeah, but the Ukrainian Supreme Liberation Council, or the UHVR, United to pre-existing organizations, the Organization of Ukrainian Nationalists and the Ukrainian Insurgent Army. Now, we've talked about the OUN before when we were doing uh, sort of the Yugoslav thing, I think they came up. Um, they were a, far, a radical far-right Ukrainian right. ultra-nationalist Political, political organization, uh, basically described as similar to Italian fascists. <laughs> so, um, so good people. Good people. Yeah. All right. We talked about Step, Stepan Bandera, the OUNB, in a previous episode. Um, so these were the guys who uh, pledged loyalty to Hitler right. during the war. 
Um, yeah. Kind of so they were, they were, yeah. they were, they were fascists. But Tanner found um, them morally and politically sound. So check that box. Well, yeah, sound because he was looking for good fascists. Right. Now he. Uh, <laughs> Tanner spent the spring and summer of 1949 working with the Council, the Supreme Council, for uh, missions to infiltrate yes. the Iron Curtain. He was going to send Ukrainian fascists behind the Iron Curtain. Hell yeah. CIA believe, this is a quote from a CIA report, the existence of this movement could have bearing on the course of an open conflict between the United States and the USSR. As you said in our last episode... America, the Americans and the Soviets seem to have absolutely believed at the time that they were going to end up in a war. Yeah. Both sides blamed the other side yes. for wanting it or, <laughs> you know, the, were going to initiate exactly. it. Exactly. Uh, but they both thought that World War III was just over the hill and they were getting ready for that. So Tanner trained, personally trained these guys in Morse code and weaponry planning to parachute them back into their homeland so the CIA would be able to communicate with partisans in the Ukraine. But this is good news. Um, the CIA hasn't done fuck all for years. They've got no intelligence, on the assets on the ground, inside the Iron Curtain. Boom, this is exciting. This is We're actually doing something. This, this is great, right? Well, <laughs> yes. It, technically, uh, you know, from an American perspective, <laughs> this could have been... Great. Yes. Tanner said that uh, they would have strong symbolic value. He said they showed Stalin that we weren't going to sit still. And that was important because up till then we had anything. done zilch as far as right. operations into his country. What are you showing Stalin? So on September. Sorry. sorry. On September 5th, 1949, <laughs> Tanner's bunch of Ukrainian uh, liber- <laughs> Liberation Army. Right took off in a C-47 flown by Hungarians who had hijacked their way Stolen. into Munich. Right. Yeah. So, you know, let's – look, listen, I don't know about you, but whenever I'm flying anywhere – Oh, yeah. I want my plane to be piloted by hijackers. And it's a stolen plane. Like it's – Yes. A stolen plane piloted by hijackers <laughs> um, with a bunch of fascists with guns on board. Yeah. Nothing says CIA to me more. Than steel balls. That. It, says, right. it says to me, yeah. steel balls. Just these are these are doers. So they jump. They so j- picture this. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to got to picture this. You got to sell this. I want to sell the sizzle here, Ray. Oh, it's got a bunch of hardened, yeah, Ukrainian fascists, right? Trained by the best of the best. Trained by the CIA to be part of the elite American global. Pushback, containment of the Soviets. This is for you, Stalin. They're on this plane. Yeah. They're on this plane. It's dark. Yeah. They're in the hold. Uh, this is a movie they're scene. They're singing some sort of some sort of ultra nationalist movie, you know, song. Right. Uh, na, na, in in na, 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 Slavic. Vleish. No, that sounds too German. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Stalin can kiss our collective ass. I, I don't know. And they parachuted, like Chrissy did a couple of weeks ago, <laughs> but in darkness, <laughs> landing near the city of Lvov. Yes. So American intelligence yeah. has penetrated the Soviet Union, Ray. Huzzah! Yes, huzzah! And just like Tanner told the CIA headquarters, like I told Heather on her first night, 
we're in. <laughs> she said, I'm glad you're CIA- because I didn't feel it. Anyway, please continue. The official CIA history right. uh, of what happened next is uh, quite interesting. Short. And short. Terse. Yes, quite short. Right. Um, terse, yes. <laughs> Again, uh, reminding you of Heather's response <laughs> on your wedding night. My love making is short and terse. Anyway, please Short continue. and terse. <clears throat> yeah. And angry. Go ahead. The official CIA history says the Soviets quickly eliminated the agents. Oh, <laughs> oh man. So they're goners, gonskis. Oh, my God. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter because it's CIA headquarters. They're fucking ecstatic. Yes. Yes. Okay. Technically, it blew up on our face. They're all dead or captured. But we did something. We need to do more of this. This is really good shit. Yeah. Frank Wisner. Remember old Frank? Um, Obsessive. He thought it was fucking awesome. Love it. The idea of parachuting guys behind the lines. He started drawing up plans to recruit more oh, sure. dissidents, sure. a.k.a. fascists, yeah. um, creating American-funded and supported resistance forces and parachuting them behind the Iron Curtain so they could give the White House early warning yes. of a Soviet, Soviet military attack. So, yeah, dozens, dozens upon dozens of more teams are trained up. I'm sure paid a lot of money, flown over, and it's pretty much re, uh, rinse and repeat. Yeah. Killed. Yeah. It, yeah. Almost everyone was immediately captured. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and then the Soviet intelligence officers right. would use the prisoners to feed back disinformation. Ooh. Oh, it's going great. great. Yeah, no, here. look, landed yeah. safely. Uh, yeah, got a lovely house, nice car, <laughs> got a girl, uh, you know, fitting right into things here. People hate Stalin. I tell you what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what you need to do is uh, send more men. Right. Uh, send them to my house. Here's my address. <laughs> um, tell them <laughs> bring lots of money. Tons of money. Oh, a lot. As much yeah. as much money, as many guns fucking as you can. Suitcase of money. Set, like just parachute yeah. the fucking like everything. Tanks, guns, Condoms, money. Because we're women. having a great time yeah. here. <laughs> Coke, booze. <laughs> just send it all. It's great. It's going to yeah. be great. Oh, gonna, we're getting. You're going to get so tired of winning. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, at the end of all of this, now, you won't believe how much we're winning. How long? Um, how how long did this go on for? Well, uh, five years or so, Ray. Um, <laughs> the Americans were pumped up. The CIA was like, "Fuck, we Hell, are so yes. we're naturals. Hell, we're real. Yes. We're, <laughs> we're naturals at this spying business. I got to tell you. Yeah. You know, yeah. you all said it was really hard, but yeah, British out. and the German, yeah. they all laughed at us details. and said we couldn't do it because we're Americans yeah. and we don't know shit about shit now, when it comes to the rest of the world because we've got our heads up our asses. Right. But look, <laughs> we proved. Turns out. <laughs> You know, Turns out. You know who they put <laughs> put in charge was uh, uh, <laughs> this guy. Dangerous. Yeah. You know what's dangerous? Your obsession with me. <laughs> Seriously, Lana, call Kenny Loggins because you're in the danger zone. Danger oh. zone. From Top Gun. Just be careful. No. Whoever he is, he ghosted an ID file onto our worldwide database. Yeah, which you probably found while researching me. Oh, God. Lana, because you're in the, uh, danger zone! 
And those were his last words, right before he bled to death on the rug. How'd you get life insurance, Lana? Don't they know you're in the danger zone? Lana. <laughs> I could keep going, but I won't. Yeah, it's basically like they had Archer running the CIA in those years. Do it again. Like, <laughs> Do it again. Do it again. For five years, they kept sending guys in and they right. get reports back going, oh, it's great. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Having a great time. Loving it. Here's a postcard. <laughs> From a gulag. Of course. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. See, of course, the Soviets killed them all. Right. Um, Got the information. The CIA's official history states that after five years of abortive missions, the CIA discontinued this approach. Good call. Good call. Now, again, as the American uh, on the show here, I want to say, one, when we hired people and we trained them and we sent them over and they died, those weren't Americans. Okay, so it was it was uh, people from people from the mm. um, from Europe and whatnot. So I want to say I'm really really sorry. So the CIA spent a lot of my grandfather's money killing a lot of your people, getting fuck all out of it. Um, and so I want to apologize, but but I want to go back to an earlier point. So here we are saying that the CIA literally thinks that their mission is to save the planet. Their job is to stop communism and to be able to warn the White House uh, as early as they can in cases of war. So not only is Stalin not attacking us, we are actually infiltrating his territory. We're sending people in with guns and whatever, and we're causing shit. And so, you know, Stalin knows all about this. These people are caught. They are tortured. Information is gathered. They are killed. They they throw their bodies away. And of course, and then the information goes to Stalin. So he knows exactly what's going on. Now, I think he was smart enough to go, okay, I see what the Americans or whoever are doing. Um, we'll keep playing this little game, but it's not a reason for me to go ape shit crazy and start bombing things. So again, Stalin knows that we're fucking with him and he's not, fuck- besides the spying, because everybody spies, he's not fucking back. So again, I think Stalin gets some kind of restraint award because clearly the Americans are trying to get up get up in his business. Yeah, and they've got a bomb. And he doesn't yet. Exactly. So he Good knows point. he can't. He knows he can't do anything because they've got a bomb. Still, he's rational. Yeah. Hmm. In the long run, according to the official CIA report, the agency's effort to penetrate the Iron Curtain using Ukrainian agents was ill-fated and tragic. Tragic for them. But for the agents, Frank Wisner didn't care. No, nope, as you all. say, not, yeah. not not his problem. He started new paramilitary forces all over Europe. In October 1949, four weeks after the first flight into the Ukraine, Wisner teamed up with the British to run rebels into communist Albania. They had a ship. Yeah, it's going to (laughs) work. Oh, yeah. Well, we've learned from the last time, right? I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah. our first, our first attempt failed. Egg, but, egg on uh, my face, right? Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> Fool me once, shame on you. <laughs> Fool me twice, don't get it's, fooled again. It's Stalin's fault. Right, right. But this time, yeah. boat, Mediterranean time, Sea, Albania. Yeah. We've ironed out all oh, the bugs. the kinks. Uh, yeah. The kinks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's got to be. You know what it reminds me it's of. It's going to be beautiful. What? One day, lad. All this will be yours. What, the curtains? No, not the curtains, lad. Oh, as you can see, stretched out over the hills and valleys of this land. That'll be your kingdom, lad. Mother. Father, lad, father. But, Father, I don't want any of that. Listen, lad. 
I built this kingdom up from nothing. When I started here, all I was was swamp. Well, the king said I was daft to build a castle on the swamp. But I built it all the same, just to show them. It sank into the swamp. So, I built a second one. That sank into the swamp. So I built a third one. That burned down, fell over, then sank into the swamp. But the fourth one stayed up. And that's what you're going to get, lad. The strongest castle in these eyes. But I don't want any of that. I'd rather... Rather what? I'd rather just sing. Stop that, stop that. You're not going into a song while I'm here. <laughs> Speaking of Monty Python, I thought you were going to sing. Uh, I thought you were going to say Frank Wise, and it was like, "Don't be downhearted. Let's just try again. This time with a bent, something like that, along those lines. Don't be downhearted. Or always look on, <laughs> on the, the bright, bright side of life." life. <laughs> um, so yes, in October 1949, four weeks after the first attempt in the Ukraine. They were tried to run some people, some rebels, into yes. communist Albania. A ship launched from Malta right. carried nine Albanians oh, on a commando mission. Yeah. Three men were killed immediately <laughs> and the secret police chased down the rest. <laughs> so Weisner went, whoa, 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 let's stop, drop, uh, look, no, no, he went, whoa, 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 that was fucking awesome. <laughs> awesome. Let's do it again. And then do some more coke. So that was great. He, f- <laughs> he flew more Albanians okay. to right. Munich back to for parachute training. Right. Then sent them to the Athens station, right. which had its own airport and a bunch of planes. And uh, we mentioned last time the guy who was running it lived in a palace fucking that a. Mickey is looking for. Mickey would be looking for, but as you've probably seen in the news... Athens is covered in as much snow as your house is. Yes, it's insane. Amazing footage of the Acropolis just covered in snow. Right. Amazing. Yes. Um, So these guys jumped into Albania and literally landed in the arms of the secret police who were waiting on the ground. They, like, caught them as they were landing. Didn't even touch the ground. Just, up there you go, into the paddy wagon. Yeah, but just slit their throats. (laughs) Um. Many, many years later, the CIA found out that the Soviets had known every aspect of every operation from the very start. The training camps in Germany were infiltrated. Right, check. The Albanian exile communities were shot through with traitors. Right, damn. And James J. Angleton, the CIA guy responsible for the security of all of these secret missions, the CIA's guardian against (laughs) double agents, had been coordinating the operations with his best friend from British intelligence, Kim Philby. (laughs) I've heard that name. Um, before and something. Mm, yeah, we did an episode or two on Kim <laughs> Philby. That's why. Yes. Yeah. One of the uh, the Cambridge Five, right. obviously. Philby Philby worked for Moscow out of a secure room in the Pentagon, next door to the office of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. God damn. Um, yeah. I like this line from one of the books. Um, right. This might be from um, Tim Tim Weiner's book. His friendship with Angleton was sealed with the cold kiss of gin and the warm embrace of whiskey. I like that. 
basically, right. they were drink- alcoholics yes. yeah. who loved to drink. Now, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, Philby and Angledon both loved to drink. Um, Tim Weiner describes Angleton as on his way to becoming one of the CIA's champion alcoholics, a title held against stiff competition. (laughs) (laughs) He drank a fifth a day. Uh, Philby did, and Angleton was right behind him each day. They would work really hard from 8 to about 11.30, but the rest of the afternoon, not so much, because they would literally get shit-faced at lunch. They would both get drunk, and Angleton would give Philby the uh, coordinates for all the drop zones. So that's why the Soviet secret police or whoever was waiting there, guns drawn for these guys to land, because they knew everything all the time. Incredible. <laughs> all the time. What's a fifth? We don't have fifths Oh, that's a pretty big Australia. fucking... I don't know. It's a pretty big fucking bottle. Um... I mean, that lasts me for What's like, it a fifth of? I, a gallon? I don't know. I have to look that up. I, I just buy it and drink it and try to forget my problems. 25.36 ounces in a fifth of liquor. Yeah. Right. I'm looking at a, a thing here. Okay. 750 mils. Okay. So it's a full bottle right. here. Be yeah. a, that'd be a full bottle of whiskey. Yeah. They drank a bottle of whiskey a day. a day. Holy fuck snacks. <laughs> yes, for, for years. I don't want to ruin anything. But so so the, <clears throat> the flights, like we were saying, ended in the death of a lot of people. About 200 foreign agents died. This went on for at least four years. And, of course, the, the great irony that we can now kind of look back and laugh, but it's truly sad, is that the American government... You fuck all about this because, again, it was a secret. How much did this stuff cost? How many lives were lost? How agitated was Stalin getting? Um, No one knows because none of this stuff was known by the, the wider government to ask any questions. Again, they were fucking up for years and there was no accountability because they were always keeping their own secrets. And Angleton gets promoted for all this. <laughs> Hundreds of the CIA's foreign agents yeah. died in these operations over years. Um, Stalin must have been laughing his ass off. Yeah. <clears throat> As Hitler once said, the Bolsheviks are our superiors in one field only, espionage. Oh, and now the CIA's finding out. That's true. And then the Bolsheviks kicked their ass and he added, <laughs> and, okay, and, and two tanks. Things. Two things. To making That's tanks. Two <laughs> All right, they've put a million people in the field. Right. Three, three things. Right. Okay. They're superior. Let's just let's just list them: uh, espionage, building weapons, tons of people, and fuck all crazy Russians who are willing to die at a moment's notice. So, again, maybe this was not the way to proceed. I could be wrong. Yeah. A German war historian wrote: the Soviet intelligence had two hundred spy schools each producing 50 agents every three months and thus replenishing the cadres of its spy army by 10,000 new operators every quarter. God damn. Well, think about it. You can spend billions and billions of dollars on weapons or you can spend about 10% of that on spies and get a lot more bang for your buck. That's pretty fucking smart. And yeah. that, that's the choice of a, of a practical, prudent, rather poor country but they get great results. A Soviet report claimed that in 1940 and during the first half of 1941, Mm -hmm. so just before Operation Barbarossa, 
Soviet counter-espionage had already smashed 66 German spy networks inside the Soviet Union, particularly in the newly acquired Baltic provinces and Russian annexed Poland, and liquidated 1,596 German spies. And even before that, when the Germans and the Soviets were getting along and the the Germans were uh, training uh, their weapons and uh, test-firing their weapons over in Soviet uh, territory, they sent a lot of spies over there. Well, the Soviets were like, look, we know about this. You can keep, you know, we'll keep our deals, but all your spies have got to go. So way before World War II comes, they, the Soviets had drummed out all their spies. So again, they know what they're doing. Don't go up against the master. But again, the Americans with their arrogance and with their money and their fervent belief that they have to save the world are going to keep trying this shit. As you say, Angleton was promoted to the chief of counterintelligence when it was all over, and he held the job for 20 years. <laughs> Despite the fact that he'd been <laughs> sending people to their death by giving away CIA yeah. secrets to a spy, Fuck. Uh, they were like, Did well, you, you know, yeah. anyone could have done that, right. really. I but mean, you that's did it really just the well. nature of the business. So here's yeah. your... Promotion for 20 years. He gets drunk every afternoon. And this is my favorite part. And I don't know if it's the American psyche, it's probably the alcoholism. But at some point in his 20 year career, he truly does believe, he, he embraces this, that the Soviets somehow, mystically, control American perceptions of the world. And only he knows this, and only he can figure out a way to stop it. He is going to be the savior. So again, you've got this Messiah complex mixed with a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of alcohol and we wonder why the CIA didn't do better because they've got people like this sitting at the he- at the head for 20 years. Well, of course he had a messiah complex. Do you know what his middle name was? No. No. Jesus. Me. I did not know. I know it's J. James Jesus Angleton. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. His parents must have been proud. Yeah. Now, he also tried to remove uh, Gough Whitlam. Uh, as Prime Minister, probably did. Um, according to Australian journalist Brian Tui, right. Angleton considered uh, our Prime Minister in the early 70s, Gough Whitlam, a serious threat to the United States um, and was concerned after the federal police here raided ASIO headquarters in Melbourne 1973, right. ASIO being our spy service. Um and uh, in 1974, Angleton tried to get rid of Whitlam by having the CIA station chief in Canberra, a guy called John Walker, ask the head of ASIO at the time to make a false declaration that Whitlam had lied about the raid in oh. Parliament. But uh, the head of ASIO, Peter Barber, refused to do it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, Seymour Hersh has written a lot of scathing stuff about James Angleton. Uh, when he resigned, he wrote a lot of uh, stuff about all the fuck-ups that he was responsible for. <laughs> anyway, Angleton will come up many, many times over yes. the course of this series, so yeah. we don't need to skip ahead. Um, so, uh, another CIA operation yes. was led by Bill Coffin. He organised a group called the Solidarists, nice. a Russian group right. that stood about as far to the right as possible in <laughs> Europe after Hitler. 
Only a handful of CIA officers at the time spoke Russian. Uh, Bill Coffin was one of them. So they worked with these guys to make them uh, a force that could go behind the enemy lines. Hell yeah. Um, So the CIA and the Solidarists first smuggled leaflets into Soviet barracks in East Germany. Then they launched balloons, balloons. that would drop thousands of pamphlets. Then they sent four-man parachute missions Here we go. in unmarked airplanes right. flying to the outskirts of Moscow. Not bad. Uh, they parachuted out right. into Russia where they were going to uh, spread disinformation about the Soviet government and Stalin. And, of course, they were all hunted down, captured and killed. Uh, Long after he quit the CIA to become a priest, the Reverend William Coffin, the chaplain of Yale and one of the most strident anti-war activists in America in the 1960s, Mm -hmm. Coffin said about the operation, it was a fundamentally bad idea. We were quite naive about the use of American Power. No, no. He mentioned leaflets and balloons. I think that's the pinnacle of uh, CIA's power. So uh, <laughs> uh, who knows? Who knows? But yeah. So he. So he. He's. He's young. He's dumb. He's full of cum. Joins the CIA. Fucks up a whole bunch. Quits. Becomes a priest. Becomes anti-war and sees the folly of his ways. But again, he spent a lot of money and he got a bunch of people killed. Let's be honest. Almost a decade later, the agency admitted that assistance to the emigres for the eventuality of war with or revolution within the USSR was unrealistic. You think, motherfucker? Sorry. Mm. Sorry. Sorry. Mm. All up, hundreds and hundreds of the CIA's foreign agents were sent to their deaths in Russia, Poland, Romania, Ukraine and the Baltic states during the 1950s. But as you said before, there was no accountability. No records were kept. Fuck. Uh, no penalty for failure. In fact, everyone got promoted. So it was just uh, fucking, it was the Wild West in the CIA. Yes. Get yeah. paid a ton of money, yeah. travel the world. Uh, as the guy who was the station chief in Athens said, we basically ruled the world in those days. <laughs> Get people killed all over the place and no accountability. Yeah. 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 Now, again, we we have stressed that Stalin, as far as we know, is not trying to attack Europe. He's not trying to attack America. And so the CIA, with all these fuck-ups, even though hundreds of people are dead and I'm sure hundreds of millions of dollars have been spent, in some ways it's like no harm, no foul, if you forget the hundreds of deaths. Because it's not like they have fucked up to the point where they're causing Stalin to actually start a war, whatever. And so, so far it's been a whole bunch of screw-ups, but eh, whatever. But that's about to change because the stakes are about to be raised a lot higher very soon. And again, the CIA best get its act together fast. Only a few hours before Tanner's men flew out uh, in September 1949, uh, an Air Force crew flying out of Alaska detected traces of radioactivity in the atmosphere. Oh, shit. Um, 
the results were being analysed, but the CIA <laughs> declared quite confidently at the time right. that the Soviet Union would not be able to produce an atomic weapon for at least another four years. No. So, well, it couldn't have been Stalin. No. Uh, you know, he uh, he's at least four years away from making yeah. a bomb. Backwards-ass nation. Come on. Come on. Three days later... <laughs> I think you meant Truman, to say four years later, but that's fine. Truman told the world that Stalin had the bomb. So the CIA sending people to their deaths, their information is completely fucking useless. Right. They're just a clusterfuck at the time. They're a complete fucking mess. Yeah. Like, they're only a few years old. I get it. Yeah. They're like, if it's a toddler, they've got a nappy on still. They're not potty trained. Yeah. They're eating... You know, maybe some, uh, you Gold? know, finger foods. Right, right. Yeah, I think they're, they're up to finger <laughs> okay, foods. But, good, you know, good. they're still making yeah. a huge mess around their high chair. Um, <laughs> they're just but, – but they're a three-year-old with uh, a billion dollars right. at their disposal. <laughs> That's what you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but it's, <laughs> it's about to get worse because on September 29th, the CIA chief of scientific intelligence reports, look – we can't do our job. Everything is a clusterfuck. We don't know anything about the Soviets' uh, atomic weapons. We have gathered no scientific data about their bomb. Our analysts are basically just fucking guessing. And we realize that this could lead to catastrophic consequences, but we have nothing to offer you. This is basically the CIA in those years. Yeah. Stewie, are you upset because you went wee-wee on the carpet? <laughs> what did you just say? Hey, Lois, I... Hey, you pee in here? In a moment. What did you just say? No, it's Stewie. He peed on the carpet. Do I... Do I hit him? No. <laughs> Bend down, Mother. Yes, honey? How dare you sully my good name by spreading your slanderous filth! Stewie, no hitting. <laughs> yeah, basically, he's just... They're, they're like an evil baby. Right. Uh, it's just like Stewie off a of Family Guy. Um... So the Pentagon commanded the CIA to put agents in Moscow to steal the Red Army's military plans. Oh, sure. 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 No fucking problem, they you, said. You yeah, anything else? <laughs> yeah, anything else you want? Unicorns? Like, yeah. You want unicorns? Yeah. <laughs> Made out of cocaine? What, what, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? Later, uh, CIA Director Richard Helms said, at the time, the possibility of recruiting and running any such sources was as improbable as placing resident spies on the planet Mars. <laughs> well, that's some honesty. I appreciate his honesty. Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Decades later, he was honest. <laughs> at the time, he well, said, fuck it, yes, it, let's bring it on. Do it. We can do it. Do it. Yeah, we're America. <laughs> ah, fuck yeah. And then the Korean War happened. Right. July 25th, 1950, uh, Beatle Smith became the new CIA director. At the time, Truman asked him to become the CIA director. He was in hospital. Literally. Having a major operation to remove like a third of his stomach (laughs) because he had an ulcer that had almost killed him. Oh, my God. Truman asked him to take the job anyway, and he said, give me a month to see if I'm still alive. If I'm still alive, I'll do the job. Right. That's and he fair. survived, and he became the CIA's fourth director in four years. That doesn't sound good. I'm not an expert on this, but that does not sound good. You worked in a medical clinic yeah. for a few years. Yeah. You, you, oh, you, nobody knows more about 
stomach ulcers. I oh, yeah. think. Well, I know was, it was a head, yeah. head, neck, and mouth, but right. still, <laughs> it was. I think it was mouth, anus, something. I'm not sure exactly, but I learned a lot. I, I could do a tracheotomy. I, I'm pretty sure I can. Pretty sure. It was ass to mouth. It was. It was an ass to mouth clinic. Ass <laughs> to mouth Bennett. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we were special. Yeah, that was what it was called. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you never go ass to mouth. Hello, did I do can. it wrong again? <laughs> mouth to ass. I see. That's why I got fired. Shit, I can never. I, I'd always answer the, pick up the phone and go, "Hello, ass to mouth." I'm shit. Mouth to ass. Can I help you? I was screwed that up. The best part of this job is all the barely legal pussy that comes in here, and they all look up to me because I've got a driver's license. It's awesome. You're 33. You show me one 33-year-old chick who's as buck wild in bed as her 17-year-old counterpart. 17-year-olds nowadays are crazy. They're up for anything. They even like it when you go ass to mouth. <laughs> oh. My. God. What? Are you serious? I don't fuck around when it comes to ass to mouth. You never go ass to mouth. It's never my idea. These young girls today get all horned up and they tell you to go ass to mouth. You never go ass to mouth, Randall. You sound like my mom. Bex, do you ever go ass to mouth? You never go ass to mouth. You've never gone ass to mouth. You never go ass to mouth. I've never gone ass to mouth. Not even once. Not even ever. So the main job of uh, Beatle Smith when he took over was to learn the secrets of the Kremlin. Right. And he had a pretty good estimation of his chances at the time. There are only two personalities that I know of who might do it, he told the senators at his confirmation hearing. One is God and the other is Stalin, and I don't know that even God can do it because I don't know whether he is close enough in touch with Uncle Joe to know what he's talking about. Thinking not. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. His uh, expectations for what he was getting himself into at the CIA were, I expect the worst and I'm sure I won't be disappointed. <laughs> and he wasn't. And he was uh, My no. favourite part was when he has his first meeting with the staff. He says, it's interesting to see all you fellows here, he said as he looks around at the table at the first meeting. It would be more interesting to see how many of you are here in a few months from now. Because as we know, he was a sarcastic, mean-spirited son of a bitch who didn't, who wasn't afraid of anybody. But at the same time, he did expect and demand perfection. Oh, and did he get it? <laughs> so um, he was furious about Wisner's secret operations yeah. that were delivering zero results, sending people to their death, costing a fortune. So right. he called him in and chewed him out. Yeah. He also found out that Wisner wasn't reporting to the director, he was reporting to the State Department and the Pentagon. He wasn't very what? happy about that. He decided to retool the CIA from top to bottom to make it all about what its original mission was supposed to be, Hello? intelligence reports. Thank you. Analytical side, yeah, we gather fucking information. We can actually think about it, but we don't go in there. We don't make events. We report on them. That's your fucking job. So, yeah, good for him. And the first intelligence report I need you to write is about Jaina. Douglas MacArthur was going to be meeting with Truman. Truman was flying to uh, whatever that Wake fucking island. island was. Where it, Wake Island. Wake Island yeah. to meet with Big Dougie, yeah. Dougie Mac. <laughs> and he wanted the CIA's <laughs> best work right? on assessing whether or not communist China would get involved in the Korean conflict. Yeah. Now, now the, surprisingly, yeah. perhaps... Right. Yeah. 
The CIA knew nothing about China. Shock. <laughs> they gasp. didn't even know what language they spoke. Right. They were like, what, no, what language Yiddish? do they speak in China? Yeah. <laughs> Is it an accented thing? I don't do accents. Now, MacArthur had already spoke up. He said, look, China is never going to attack. So I don't want to hear about it. But again, Truman's asking the CIA. They need to find out some information. Any spies they had had in China yeah. had fled Long gone. to Taiwan or to Hong Kong after Mao defeated America's guy, Chiang Kai-shek. Yes. As people may recall, America supported Chiang Kai-shek well, and the Kuomintang. You say supported. For, we only spent $50 billion. I don't want to over-exaggerate, <laughs> so calm down. Trying to help him win the, <laughs> win the war. Just $50 billion. Um, Yeah. <laughs> And the the allies that the CIA had in the region Here we go. were obviously corrupt and useless. Uh, South Korea's President Syngman Rhee, who we've spoken about before, who was the worst of the worst, and, of course, Chiang Kai-shek. He got his ass Both of them yeah. unreliable, useless, and corrupt as fuck. But... There's some good news because during the war and after the war, the CIA and the American government in general was getting really good intel from our American signals intelligence. What it is is they got really good at intercepting and decrypting cables from Moscow to the Far East. So all we got to do is rely on them, get some information, and we'll know what the fuck is going on and what we're dealing with. However, <laughs> yes, however, <laughs> all of a sudden, the uh, transmissions that uh-huh. they had been very cleverly uh, intercepting and uh, cracking yeah. and listening to yeah. fell silent. Yeah. Uh, at the very moment that Kim Il-sung was talking with Stalin and Mao Ooh, about his a, plans to attack. That's a coincidence, right? That's got to be a coincidence. That's what they said to themselves. Got to be a coincidence. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Bad timing. Bad timing. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, right. at this very moment, uh, just before the breakout of the Korean War, a Soviet spy had right. penetrated the code-breaking operation, Arlington Hall. Oh, fuck. Uh, his name was William Wolf Weisband. Nice. He was a linguist w- who w- had been w- helping w- them translate. Yeah, dub, dub, dub. <laughs> He had been translating the uh, messages from Russian into English. What they didn't know while he was doing that is that he'd been recruited as a Soviet spy in the 1930s. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> now, Beatle Smith uh, was many things, but he wasn't a dummy. Right. He recognised that something had happened to their signals intelligence and he alerted the White House Right. And that resulted in the creation of the National Security Agency, which, of course, as we know today, listens to every phone call, uh, reads every email, and Text, listens to this podcast porn. in particular. Yes. I know this is uh, yeah, the, the number one thing that they like to listen to <laughs> gather all around. around the world. Right. Yeah, right. We only know that, of course. Yeah. Because Edward Snowden leaked it uh, before that, uh, right. they had lied about that for many, many years, um, and the Obama administration had uh, verified, well, you know, verified their lies. Said, "No, you're crazy. No. You're all wacko conspiracy theorists, tinfoil yeah. hat wearing nut jobs." <laughs> Until Turns Edward out. Snowden l- leaked it all, and then they went, "Oh yeah, yeah, no, we are doing that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, sorry, was that was that wrong? Was that? I gotta um, tell you, if I'd known, yeah. Jesus yeah, Christ. James Clapper. Uh, for those who don't remember the story, um, I wrote about this in the Psychopath Epidemic, so it's somewhat fresh in my mind. Um, James Clapper, who was the uh, director of what at the time, the NSA, I guess. Right. National he, uh, yeah. yeah, he was uh, the director of national intelligence. He was right. um, speaking at a congressional investigation or hearing or something into whether or not the NSA was recording phone calls or, or bugging phone calls of Americans and and uh, grabbing their emails, and he said, no, no, we're absolutely not doing it, uh, n- not in any meaningful way. Um, here we go. Con- uh, testimony on Congress on new- te- testimony to Congress on NSA surveillance, two thousand and thirteen. On March twelfth, two thousand and thirteen, during United States Senate Select Committee on Intelligence, Senator Ron Wyden quoted NSA Director Keith B. Alexander's keynote speech at the twenty twelve DEFCON. Alexander had stated that our job is foreign intelligence, and that. Those who would want to weave the story that we have millions or hundreds of millions of dossiers on people is absolutely false. From my perspective, this is absolute nonsense. Wyden then asked Clapper, does the NSA collect any type of data at all on millions or hundreds of millions of Americans? He responded, no, sir. Wyden asked, it does not? And Clapper said, not willingly, not wittingly, sorry. There are cases where they could inadvertently perhaps collect, but not wittingly. And it was seeing that speech that tipped Edward Snowden over the edge. He said when he saw that, sort of the breaking point was seeing the Director of National Intelligence, James Clapper, directly lie under oath to Congress, seeing that really meant for me there was no going back. Isn't that their job to lie under oath, though, to protect... No, I'm just making shit up as I go along here. Sorry. I, I got nothing. Hmm. I got nothing. And, of course, uh, you know, for lying under oath to Congress, James Clapper went to jail for the rest of his <laughs> natural life. No, or wait. Uh, retired comfortably. Yeah, no. Yeah, retired comfortably. Uh, ended up working for the Australian N- National University in Canberra. Oh, then uh, became a, a CNN national security al- analyst. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Pays to be an asshole. So there you go. So <laughs> so Truman leaves for Wake Island on October 11th, 1950. Again, the CIA tells him there is no convincing indications of any of the actual Chinese communist intention to resort to a full-scale war intervening in Korea because the Soviets do not want a global war. So again, he's about to take off. They're like, look, boss, one more time. This is not going to happen. Except there were two warnings that they knew about and they should have told the president and yet they did not. Yeah, before we get into that, I yeah, want to talk yeah, yeah, more yeah. about WWYSPAN. Born Please. in Odessa, Russia in 1908, emigrated to the United States in the 1920s, became a naturalized American citizen in 1938, drafted into the army in 1942, yep. assigned to signals intelligence because he spoke Russian. Um he had been monitoring Arlington Hall's Russian section since at least 1945. Right. Then he notified them that the Venona project that we've talked about before, this was their code-breaking project, was uh, on the verge of being successful. Yeah. 
To make sure that the FBI was unaware that they knew the code was about to be broken, the Soviets kept using it. Right. Uh, until the eve of the... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. uh, uh, Can you bring home from the store a quart of milk, (laughs) some bread and (laughs) eggs? They're like, oh, okay, a quart of milk. What does that mean? That that must mean, uh, you know, nuclear weapons. uh, I got a recipe. Well, they're not going to build those for another four years. What what is the recipe for gazpacho? What does that mean? Is that a um, (laughs) nuclear-tipped... What are we we talking here? So, yeah, so they knew about it. Came up with some shit and kept using it until 1980. Again, fucking brilliant on their part. In 1950, another Russian agent defected and outed Weissband. He denied it and the US couldn't find any proof. There was mention of a code name in uh, the codes that they'd been cracking that they thought might have been him, but they couldn't prove it was him. But he got suspended from Signals Intelligence on suspicion of disloyalty and then failed to appear in front of a federal grand jury. Um, they, were, they were having a hearing on the Communist Party of USA. He received a summons, right. uh, was convicted of contempt for not turning up, sentenced to a year in prison. What? But then he got out. Um, <laughs> well, it turns out... And look, apparently... I, I was just going to say real quick, you really can't question him because he might come out and say, well, it turns out that I was working for the Soviets and I can confirm for the entire American public that they are running rings around the CIA, FBI, and any other organizations that you have. They are beating the fuck out of you. You're losing this. Oh, you don't want me to say that in public? Okay, I'm sure we can come to some kind of agreement. Yeah, he was never prosecuted for espionage yeah. um, because it would have been way too embarrassing, yes. basically. And and to the end of his life, never revealed whether or not he was an NKVD agent to anyone, including his children. Right. And he remained living in the United States, yep. living a quiet life, working as an insurance salesman. <laughs> That's hot. Until his death in 1967 from a heart attack. I do have to ask real quick before we go on. I could not find out. So basically, this guy, WWW, goes into Arlington Hall, which is really close to the Pentagon. He goes in there and he's able to disrupt their uh, the American process. Did you learn anything more about that? Or is it just that the Soviets just started putting bullshit in their messages. Yeah, no, I don't I don't know. I think they just went silent. Okay. I think they just stopped using it okay. for a bit. All right. <clears throat> now, as you say, Truman left for Wake Island. The CIA assured him there was uh, nothing going on. China, with the Chinese uh, uh, getting involved in Korea. Yeah. Uh, although, as you said, uh, there were a couple of warnings that the CIA ignored. The station chief in Tokyo reported that a Chinese nationalist officer in Manchuria was warning that Mao had amassed 300,000 troops near the, near the Korean border. The CIA went, no, nah, we don't think so. Crazy. He goes, no, no, no. They, they, he told me that. And they're like, no, nah, that doesn't sound right to us. No, I don't, I don't think. feel right. Yeah. 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 Bill Duggan, who later would become the chief of uh, the Taiwan station, insisted that the Chai Coms, Chinese communists, would soon cross into northern Korea General MacArthur threatened to have him arrested. We should probably... That's, that's treason. That's defeatism. 
Like Hitler said. Fake news. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it turns out that MacArthur, who was obsessed with his own power, and he was a god uh, after, after the war, he hated the CIA as well. So he would not let any of their agents, he would have them arrested, detained, removed, whatever if he could. Yeah, and so this guy's coming out with this thing that's going to freak the president out who doesn't know what the fuck he's doing because he's a hick from Missouri. No, you don't tell him that. So Truman never hears about these two warnings. So he flies to Wake Island on October 11th, 1950, um, gives MacArthur the green light to invade Korea. Uh, Seven days later, MacArthur's troops surged north towards the Yalu River and the Chinese border. Mm -hmm. The CIA reported that the Soviet-Korean venture has ended in failure. Ha-ha! Huzzah! Whatever. Two days later, on October 20th, the CIA said that Chinese forces were detected at the Yalu River. Right. Uh, on October 28th, they said, uh, not to worry, those Chinese troops are just scattered volunteers. Oh, thank Christ. Um, on October 30th, American troops were being attacked and taking heavy casualties. The CIA said a major Chinese intervention was unlikely. Right. Uh, A few days later, a couple of Chinese-speaking CIA officers interrogated several prisoners and determined that they were Mao's soldiers. The CIA said, no, they're not. Uh, Don't listen to them. Uh, They're making it up. Fake news. news. Yeah, very, very cunning, these uh, Chinese. You can't trust anything they say. There's absolutely no chance Mao is going to get involved here in any sizable numbers. Here's a five. Two days later... Okay, Two days mind. later, when 300,000 Chinese troops uh, struck, oh. then pushed, nearly pushed the Americans into the sea, the CIA went, whoops, how bad. Yeah. Now, Bedell Smith at this point, who's only got one third of his stomach left, he doesn't know whether to laugh cry, be sad, and he has no idea what to, what to do because, again, as we've said, the CIA's basic mission is to make sure there are no military surprises. You give us a heads up, We, if we have to use our atomic bombs or a massive bomber fleet, whatever, we'll be ready. You just give us a heads up. But clearly, the agency had missed every global crisis for the past year. The Soviet atomic bomb, the Korean War, and now 300,000 Chinese communist troops crossing the border, like you said, almost pushing the Americans back into the water. What the fuck else can these guys screw up for us? So in December 1950, Truman, as we know, declared a national emergency, called back Eisenhower to active duty, and Bettle Smith decided he had to fix the CIA and turn it from what it was, which was a bunch of rich kids running around with a ton of money being dicks... (laughs) sending people to their death, into a professional intelligence service. And God damn it, any day now, they're going to succeed. Exactly. One day. And that's where where we will leave this episode. An iron curtain has descended across the continent. 